بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا حما بعده My brothers and sisters one of the things that I have done in my life quite a lot uh, is hiring of um, team leaders so managerial jobs leadership jobs um at one time i also used to i was invited to pre-assess senior leaders who were who had who had been shortlisted to join ge different businesses they would send these people to me i would interview them and um, then i would give my report based on that they would either meet a Uh, G meet the G country head or not, and uh, so I met a lot of uh, very very good people, uh, even the ones who I didn't necessarily recommend, but they were good people. Um, point I'm making is that as a result after this, after I mean as a result of all these years of uh, recruiting, I also wrote a book called Hiring Winners, and Hiring Winners is on Amazon, so you can read it if you like. The reason I'm saying that here is that there are some things which I, in my uh, assessment of uh, of team leaders, and remember, I'm not talking here about technical skills. I'm not talking about educational qualifications and so on. <laughs> educational qualifications and whatnot are already screened. That is how they even make it to this interview. Uh, and technical skills again are measurable. They are. you know we know from their qualification from their uh, work history uh, what technical stuff they know uh, so those are not things that are uh, are in any doubt what the interviewing process that i was uh, that i used to do and i do uh, at the leadership level is really looking at the leadership qualities of the person you you might be surprised to here some of the things that i used to look for and i found them in my experience to be extremely valuable for example if i would ask this person to when when they was uh, called for the interview i would ask them to uh, write me a letter um, telling me something about themselves now this letter among other things i used to look to see how many if there were any spelling or grammar mistakes Now you might say, what does spelling or grammar have to do with leadership? I'll tell you in a minute what it has to do with leadership. It has to, it has a lot to do with leadership. So I would watch, I, I would read this letter, and look for spelling and grammar mistakes. And if I found more than a certain number of spelling and grammar mistakes, I would not call the person for the interview. I, that, that would be that's my go no go. Um, you know a doorway where uh, you know, this person would either be called or not called based on this now you might say what well, this is um, what's the relevance my relevance is that in this day and age where you have you have your word processing software even does for you which is checks for spelling mistakes and checks for grammar mistakes if you don't use that and if you and if you send me a letter or you send me your cv uh with spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes then it means that you really don't care about yourself 
because your letter and your CV is a reflection of yourself. It, you are telling me who you are. And you really are telling me who you are. It's as simple as that. And I believe you. I absolutely believe you. So if you send me a letter like that, you are really telling me, whether you realize that or not, that you are not a person who is careful even about his or her own image. You are a person who is not really, who doesn't, who doesn't really care about how they appear to the outside world. Now, if that is the case, then why would I hire you? Another thing I would look for <clears throat> is to see where you park your car. Um, and God forbid, if you park your car in a handicapped slot and you are not actually handicapped, then you have been rejected. As far as I'm concerned, you are rejected. Gone. Uh, if, you fire, if you park your car in a fire lane, then I don't care who you are. I don't care how expensive that car is. You are not coming into my office for the interview. I would, if possible, for example, in my questioning and so on, I would ask them, um, how important do you think are seat belts? Do you wear one? Um, the reason I'm saying all this is because all of these things, <clears throat> whether you wear seat belts or not, whether you overspeed or not, whether reckless driving, uh, parking in um, handicap slots and so on, all of these are indicative of attitudes. Now, in my book, Hiring Winners, one of my basic fundamental principles that I've mentioned, I've said higher attitude, train skills. Because to change attitudes is a killer. I don't say it cannot be done, but I say that if you can possibly avoid it, avoid it. Because it's not, it's a, one of the most difficult things to do. And I would quite happily say it can't be done. But I don't like to say things that can't be done. So, I'm not saying it. Higher attitude and train skills. Now, why are these attitudes important? Because when you behave in this way, remember the world sees the world listens with their eyes, not with their ears. The world doesn't care what you say until they see what you do. So when you are looking at the world, when the world is looking at you, what are they seeing? They are seeing somebody who doesn't care for their neighbors, somebody who doesn't care for other people, somebody who doesn't care if they put themselves at risk and somebody else at risk, somebody who doesn't follow rules, which means somebody who has no respect for the law. Now, why would you hire a person like that? That basically you are looking at somebody who is untrustworthy. If you are untrustworthy, then you are unhireworthy. As simple as that, right? You are not somebody that we want to hire because you are untrustworthy. My brother and sister, it's so critically important to understand this because... We live in a world where, especially as Muslims, we are under the microscope. We are under, under floodlights. You know, let me tell you two stories, two true stories. And if you think I was being, I was nitpicking with regard to looking at how people park their cars and so on. Let me tell you the story of Imam Bukhari. Imam Bukhari got this news that there was somebody who knew a hadith that Imam Bukhari had not heard of before. So he wanted to go and get the hadith from this person. So he traveled a long distance from Bukhara all the way to wherever he, this person was. 
you know, many weeks of travel probably. And when he reached this person's place, he found this person out in the field, near the, in, uh, at his paddock, where he had his horse. And this guy was calling the horse. The horse wasn't interested in coming. So this person put his hand in his pocket and he kind of gestured as if he had something in the pocket. So the horse probably thought, oh, my master has brought me an apple or something. And the horse came and the man caught the horse. Now Imam Bukhari, he watched this whole interaction. Then he went to the man and he said, Salam. And he asked the man, what's in your pocket? The man said, nothing. Uh, he said, but you were showing the horse, uh, you know, you were gesturing as if there was something in your in your pocket. He said, yeah, I was just trying to get the horse to come. Uh, but there's nothing in my pocket. So Imam Bukhari turned around and walked away. So this man said, well, who are you? And, you know, you just came and you're going away, going away. What's the story? Imam Bukhari said to him that I am so-and-so and I came here to listen to the hadith which I believe you have from Nabi Sallallahu But after I saw what you did, I decided I don't want to get this hadith from you. The man said, I can tell you the hadith. I mean, I, I, I have the hadith and I'm, I know who you are. So, you know, I would be happy to tell you. Imam Bukhari said, no, I, don't want, I do not want to take it from you. The man said, why? What have I done? He said, you deceived the horse. If you had something in your pocket, then there's no problem. But you did not have anything in your pocket. You deceived the horse. He said, if somebody is willing to deceive a, an animal, how do I believe that person with regard to the word of Rasulullah Right? And you thought I was being nitpicking? This is the level of rigor that Imam Bukhari used, which is so very critical. My second story, 1970, no, 1997, um, I made Hajj, my wife and I first Hajj. And literally the day after we came back to the U.S. Uh, from Saudi Arabia, and it was a, uh, the return journey was very tedious because we were traveling Egypt Air and uh, huge flight delays and all kinds of things happened. Anyway, that's a long story. But I had to go to Chicago the very following day. The, the day I landed, the next day I had to go to Chicago because I had a meeting at Motorola University. So I was exhausted. I, my head was shaved So after Hajj. And uh, so I landed in Chicago. There was uh, uh, one of the managers from uh, Motorola University uh, he, one of the faculty, he came to pick me up from O'Hare um, in a Z3 uh, BMW. We, it was winter, there was about four feet of snow driving back from the airport. We, it was like going through, uh, going through tunnels. Eventually, we uh, reached Motorola and Motorola has this vast parking lot. Now, this man parks his car far away, almost at the end of the parking lot from the, from the main building. Now, I got very irritated because it was very cold, Chicago, wind, and, you know, I was already exhausted. And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, he parks all this way here. Uh, why can't he park close to that? There's plenty of parking. I said, why can't he park close to the, close to the main building where we have to go in? So, I mean, I didn't say anything to him, but, you know, I think he sort of looked at my face, he realized. So, he said to me, um, I'm sorry to park here, but, you know, I think uh, we have plenty of time so we can take our time and walk up to the building. 
but I want to leave the, the parking close to the building for uh, those people who come who come late. Maybe they are you know, in a hurry. So it's better to leave the parking close to the building for them. And this is in winter uh, with all that cold and, and the wind in Chicago. I'm thinking to myself, what a wonderful human being this is, right? He's so considerate about other people. Now, I have, this is 1997, today is 2022. Uh, I don't remember the man's name, but this wonderful human being, I wish him well. His story and that experience is alive in my heart to this day. This is the power of action. This is what, what builds trust. And trust is the foundation of leadership.